Hello and welcome to Psychology in Seattle. I'm your host, Kirk Honda, professor and licensed therapist. <laughs> I'm Mandy Kirk's cousin and uh, professor cousin. I'm Humberto Castaneda. Um, I break up with people for other people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're a service. Yeah, they like pay me because sometimes people don't like to break up. Uh, they'll like not return phone calls just so they don't have to break up. You're like the closer, but the ender. So people are just like, hey, here's 20 bucks. Go break up with this person. I think that's a Seattle phenomenon, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Very that's, passive aggressive. I think it is, and it's horrible. And I want to put you out of business. <laughs> but I do it all gently, like, you know, I don't, I'm not mean about it. At least that. someone's doing it. Yeah. Do you do it over text? No. Today, we, today we have a special guest back on the show, Kate Stewart. She was on a previous episode teaching us how to flirt, right? Yay. She, Hello. Yeah. Uh, she recently wrote a book called The Open Relationship Handbook. So we thought we'd have her on the show to talk about it. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you. Now, you haven't been seeing other podcasts, have you? Uh, I thought we had an exclusive thing here. Does radio count? Oh, God. Oh, We never discussed these boundaries. I I didn't know you went both ways. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So tell us about your book, The Open Relationship Handbook. How how did you get inspired to write this book? Well, I have been working with open relationships, um, polyamorous people, swingers, um, anybody in that spectrum for a number of years. And I kept finding that in looking at um, the books that were already on the market, a lot of them were way too progressive and too liberal and um, kind of unapproachable for a lot of kind of middle of the road people who are trying open relationships. So I I really felt like there was a a niche that needed to be filled. There was kind of, um, there needed to be more diversity in what was available for people. So this is the open relationship handbook for mainstream people. Is that what you're saying? I wrote this to be more directed to, uh, let's see, people who are in like a monogamous relationship and are kind of looking to open it up. And there's, I mean, I could have written way more on, you know, single people who are trying to, to, to start open relationships or um, kind of more maintenance of open relationships. But it was really kind of written more from the standpoint of people who are have been monogamous for a, a span of time and are trying to open a relationship. Okay. So before I go on, I just rem- want to remind people that you're a psychotherapist in Seattle. Yes. And you, you're a clinician, so people come to you for counseling. Yes. And you're also an Antioch grad. I, I'm a very proud Antioch grad. That's right. So let's start with some definitions. Uh, what is polyamory? What's an open relationship? So uh, this, these definitions kind of trip people up sometimes. Um, open relationship, that term serves two purposes. Number one is the umbrella term that describes polyamory um, on occasion swinging. It depends on how the individual or couple identifies. And more generic open relationships, which are not about having extra interpersonal relationships outside of the main relationship, but kind of not quite swinging. So there are a category of things that fall under open relationships that are not swinging or polyamory. Okay. Does that make sense? I, no, I'm completely confused. I explained that in probably the worst way I could have done that. Are you I saying apologize. that open relationship is a more umbrella term that includes both polyamory and swinging? Yes, okay. but also there are relationships that don't fall under swinging um, or polyamory that are just considered open relationships. And then, Let me give you my definitions in my you know uneducated head and you tell me if it makes any sense. Sure. Polyamory to me is when people are open to having other 
other romantic and sexual relationships with other people other than their primary person, right? They don't necessarily have other relationships, but they're open to it. They're living the lifestyle. And they are very uh, communicative. There's lots of talk about what's in the policies of the relationship. You know, you can kiss them, but you can't have sex or you can have sex or, you know, I want to meet the person beforehand or I don't care. Uh, But it's more uh, public and they're more geared towards longer term relationships. In my mind, polyamorous people are more about having, say, a husband and two other boyfriends. Whereas swingers, in my mind, is when you go to a swinging a swing club, swingers club, and it's random just hookups that you have in the club itself just for that night, and you might not even know their name, and and that's swinging. Mm -hmm. One thing I have to point out is that a lot of these definitions vary widely according to how people want to identify. I've come across uh, a lot of people who just have casual sex but don't want to identify as swingers. But in general, the basics are if you're having what what I refer to as recreational sex with a partner, like as you, you made the example of going to a swinging club or if you're going to a swinging function, that is swinging. So, so casual sex, um, usually done with your partner, is swinging. And there are a number of different settings that can happen polyamory um, is more of a long-term kind of arrangement where people have multiple um, kind of intimate partner relationships. So then in that instance, the emphasis is not exactly just on sex. It's actually on kind of having sexual relationships, but also having that kind of intimate partnership with other people. Right. So you could be married to someone and then have both partners could have ongoing boyfriend girlfriends on in addition to the marriage right see i always thought polyamory was like when you fall in love in the polynesian islands <laughs> and i always thought that open relationships is when you have an open hand while masturbating <laughs> so i guess i had those wrong well <laughs> how do you do that with an open hand well it's it's an agreement between you and your hand and you have boundaries and rules just like anything else you just kind of slap it <laughs> Are those agreements written down, or do you, write you, just, it down on do you, do you talk to your hand when you're doing that? Doctor the hand, Bruno. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hello. What do you want to do today? You put lipstick on your hand. Oh, oh you look so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't make me do this again. But seriously, I'm sure you have some questions. No, about I, I, of course. A lot of what comes up when it, when you search for any of these terms, polyamory, open. I feel is like you're already at 100 miles an hour. Like here's uh, hedonism 5000 in Jamaica. Like and everyone's oh like, yeah, and, you know, and it's like crazy. It's like uh, nudi- nudist com- communities and like and I'm like whoa, okay, not quite ready for that. Uh, but I was just curious. Right? Yeah, where is step one through step 100 <laughs> right, of this? It's right. like it starts right out like you're living the lifestyle and that's right. what you're doing. And so what I wonder, like I've always wondered. How did these people even get started, right? And that's why I actually appreciated your angle with the book and what you're mentioning, which is like that question of like, sure, sure, sure. I know you're like jumping around on your head in some jungle location with every like a thousand people all naked. But how did you start? (laughs) Where did you get started? (laughs) Well, you got in your car and then you drove to the jungle. No, Um, I think a lot of people identified as non-monogamous from such an early time that it was it was and honestly, I don't know where people got information before the Internet on this, but there are definitely people who just grew up 
not feeling like they were could handle monogamy. And I think that became some kind of discussion that they had with partners. And then especially in Seattle, there is just a, a huge amount of polyamorous people and people in open relationships. Um, and so in a way here, I mean, it's just more common for people to come across it. And so I think that has opened the dialogue a bit more. So that is how some of those people have wound up in that kind of more advanced position. Why are people in Seattle more open to it? Or- Ooh, good more desiring of it um there's uh, there's a number of reasons i think that we could that we could look at number one is uh, as you know the center for sex positive culture is in seattle so in another city they don't have that so they don't get they might be open to it but they don't know where to go my other theory is that there is something about really smart people that is there's some link between polyamory and people that are very smart so if you look at seattle there's a lot of technology that is biotech a lot of kind of more mainstream technology that is attracting like really smart people to the area and i believe there is a connection there and i haven't quite put my finger on why there are more polyamorous people in areas where there are are smarter people i'm super polyamorous because <laughs> you're super, cause you're super, smart. super big brain. Man, Mandy is is recently single, and I and I'm mm. I'm under the understanding that she's really into uh, she's really interested in swinging. <laughs> oh, uh, so, this, so I think she meant taking dance lessons. Oh, <laughs> you might have misunderstood. <laughs> I'm nodding my head really. I mean, shaking. You're shaking. nodding. No, oh, you nodding. said you're nodding. Shit. See, that's a, that's a Freudian nod. Yeah. Shaking. Well, oh, I I was saying no, no. No, no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can like imagine like getting rid of all the social norms and all the judgments and all the the haters that hate, you know, people hate who hate on the swingers. Yeah. Okay. Uh would it would it interest you if if that were the case? No. Yeah. No, I'm too scared of getting diseases. Yeah. 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 If if there were no STIs and no Sperm making babies. <laughs> sperm to make babies. There were no consequences. There were no consequences for sex. So then maybe, maybe I would be likely to be like, I don't even know your name. Let's do it right now. <laughs> there are people who do do that. In a world where there was <laughs> no diseases and no sperms. <laughs> well, so if you could. You sound like that sounds like a movie trailer. <laughs> In, In a, a world. world. <laughs> oh, have you seen that movie? It's a good movie. Is it out already? Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Female the gal that's trying to do the yeah. world thing. Yeah, it's really good. Right. Uh, yeah, so so how do they address STIs and, and sperms? <laughs> well, sperms is invisibles, but they make babies. Right? <laughs> well, so there's a ton of discussion about safer sex practices. Um, a lot of people talk about, okay, if you're going to, you know, with your main partner, maybe you could be fluid bonded, which means everyone, like if two people have been tested for STIs and everyone's, you know, has to, has come up clean and they say, okay, we're not going to use condoms, that's called fluid bonding. So on occasion, what will happen is like the main two people will become fluid bonded and they'll say, okay, if you want to have sex with other people, you can only, you know, have sex with a condom or only the sex acts or um, these these specific sex acts are the only ones mm-hmm. that, that only we are going to engage in. Right. And um, so there, there you go. Right. Yeah. I work with some polyamorous people and they, they have to graph out uh, their yeah. relationships, they and they call it a polycule. Polycule, yeah. Because oh. it, it, it's this, you know, with all these circles with lines and all these overlapping things. And if one person has an STI, 
then Ooh. you have to account for that, right? You you know, so you either so no one and they have to come out and say and they have to tell everyone in the polyamorous community, I have Are you talking about HPV? Yeah. Yes. I have HPV, so and you have to you have to you have to shout that out and 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 then when you interact with that person there has to be uh, precautions so that the HPV doesn't spread through the polycule. Or, or you join a polycule that has every everyone has HPV or something like that. You know what I mean? So, or herpes, right? Ugh. So, uh, well, there's a lot of people. Um, That's true. Herpes and HPV are, you know, pretty. I don't know. Do you know the stats? It's something like fifty percent or something. It's it's very ironic that you asked me this because my partner is an infectious infectious disease physician, so I actually know a lot. Of it about this so herpes is hpv no no no, no. hpv no. is actually a separate virus and it causes genital warts it can also it, a lot of it is asymptomatic Human and virus. yes and it can cause um cervical cancer in women and um herpes has basically two separate strands there's um hsv1 and hsv2 and that i think is about one in five people have that so i always get these confused so hpv i, I, I think um for everyone who is sexually active um, under the age of 40 it's pretty much a given that they've all been exposed to at least one strand of hpv herpes is not as common oh okay i went to a conference once to talk about the shame of having either hsv or hpv to uh it was a it was a convention of people hmm. who are hsv or hpv positive oh that's awesome yeah is and, that the herpes simplex is that the hsv uh yeah Mm-hmm. And they called it Sinplex, I think it was called. Oh, anyway. interesting. And it almost turned into a group therapy session where people talked about their feelings about it. And um, it was just, it's just horrible the amount of shame that people feel. Yes. And, and that shame leads not only to low self esteem and like not very happy romantic life, but also it leads people to not disclose it when they interact with someone yeah, because they're afraid. Yeah, it's very stigmatized. Right. And that leads to more of it being spread Public around. Public health problem, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so if we reduce the stigma and the shame around it, since it's so common, then we might be able to keep it at bay, one, and two, people's self-esteems can be, you know, salvaged. Okay, so this is just Kirk. I'm going to chime in here. And the reason is, is because I lost the rest of the audio of this episode Major bummer. Cue wah, wah, wah music. I don't know if you care to know this, but I record all the episodes myself. I do all the audio myself. And I've produced, I don't know, over 150 episodes over the past four or five years. And every time I make an episode, I always wonder, is this the episode where I lose the audio? It turns out this was the episode that I lost. Not all the audio, but most of it. Uh, you just heard, I don't know, about 15 minutes of the beginning of the episode. We recorded, I don't know, for a couple more hours, I think, actually. Um, it was a very long episode, but uh, I lost all of that. And I want to apologize to Kate Stewart because I, I wasted her time. I feel really awful about it. In fact, at the end of recording with Kate Stewart that evening, there was a hint that I might have lost the audio. And it put me in such a bad mood that I think I wasn't very nice to her as she left. So um, if she's listening, I apologize for that. So just some things that I remember that we talked about. I remember Berto actually talking about how much he loved the book. He read Kate Stewart's book titled The Open Relationship Handbook. 
he read it and he said it was fantastic. He thought it was very easy to read. It was easy to relate to. There was a lot of good information. And I read it too. And I could say that, that all those observations are true. You can buy her book. Uh, the full title of the book is The Open Relationship Handbook, Basic Tips and Tools for Navigating Non-Monogamy by Kate Stewart. You can buy it on Amazon. Uh, you can buy it other places too. I remember her mentioning those other places, but doesn't everyone use Amazon these days? So go to Amazon, and it is currently a Kindle book for the price of nineteen seventy nine. Again, The Open Relationship Handbook by Kate Stewart. I wanted to just sort of wrap up a little bit of what I was talking about regarding Synplex. So a colleague of mine was an organizer for this convention of people with HPV and HSV. And she knew that I was a couples therapist, a relationship therapist, and asked me to come to the convention to talk with people about intimacy and relationships in the context of having HPV or HSV. And there were a number of panel discussions and other sorts of things. And one of the events was a smaller group discussion, which ended up being like a group therapy session, like I mentioned, where everyone just volunteered their own stories. And it was very touching. And I just want to advocate for the reduction of shame regarding HSV and HPV. People have sex in our culture, and we all know that. For the most part, everyone has sex. Not everybody, but, but most people. And when humans come into contact with other humans, we will transmit our viruses and our bacteria to each other. It's the same as if you put your hand on, a, on an infected doorknob or if someone sneezes in your face or... If you're just sitting next to a person that, that is infected with an airborne virus of some sort, it's the same when it comes to sex. But for whatever reason, when we contract a sexual transmitted disease, we have a tremendous amount of shame about it. No one hides the fact that they got the flu, or very few people would. They, they're not ashamed of getting the flu, right? But if someone has herpes or gonorrhea, they are not likely to advertise it. So why is that? Well, it's a social construction that diseases passed through sexual contact, particularly through the genitals, is somehow an indication that someone is dirty, that someone is shameful, that someone has no self-control, or someone is a slut, whatever that means. And these are all things that we associate as a low moral character. It's interesting now that I think about it, imagine two people have sex and one person gives the flu to someone else. Well, you'd be okay with that. But somehow, if you have sex and you contracted chlamydia, which is an easily treated infection, uh, somehow people just don't talk about it. And again, the reason why I would like people to change their view of these sorts of infections is because the more underground it becomes, the less likely people are to seek help the less likely they are to disclose it to their future sexual partners and the more likely they are to feel horrible about themselves. I think I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I had a client once that was actually date raped and she contracted HPV from this date rape. And obviously the date rape was traumatic and, and horrible but one of the most disturbing elements of this event for her was that she contracted HPV and she felt 
extremely ashamed that she had contracted this. Uh, I don't know if contracted is the right word. I'm not a doctor. I don't know the language. Um, and sh- her self-esteem plummeted because she believed that if someone has an infection of this sort, that means that there's something wrong with them because that's the way she viewed other people that HPV. She would judge people. If she heard someone at HPV, she'd be like, oh, what's wrong with that person? How much of a slut are they? Or what's wrong? How come they don't have any self-control? Or how come they don't have safe sex? Well, she had it, and suddenly now she thought of herself in that way. She started to shame herself about having HPV. But, of course, it's not her fault. She was raped. How could she possibly be at fault for that? But also that's a common result of a very unfortunate result of being raped is self-blame when, of course, it couldn't be the victim's fault. So now I'm going to go to phase three of this episode. (laughs) What happened was just before Umberto and Kate Stewart arrived, Mandy and I were just talking into the microphones and talking about her dating life and whatnot. So I thought I'd just tack this on at the end of the episode. If you're not interested, don't worry about it. You don't have to listen to it. You can certainly turn it off. But a lot of people have been writing in saying they're very interested in Mandy's dating life. So I just thought I would would include it here. You must have been sitting on a on a emblem of some sort because it's it's embossed in your leg on the side. Oh, it's my skirt, and this is my nice work bruise. You have bruises on your knees from work. <laughs> oh my god! Stop recording! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> went on a, I went on a good date last night. Yeah. Uh huh. How'd yeah. it go? It was good. Yeah. It was good. Good, like as in second base, good or? Oh, um, there were no bases. Is that weird? Oh. My prude? You didn't even leave home plate? No. Interesting. I mean, I barely left the dugout, but I'm just starting back out there. Um, you know, I suited up, tied my shoes, got my cleats and my glove. and you uh-huh. know. Got ready for the game. Right. I showed up at the game. They might have only put me in for like one inning. Uh-huh. I didn't play all nine. Oh. So it was just like a just a drink or two or something. So. No, it was like a whole meal. It was a nice dinner, but they were they were very respectful, very gentlemanly. And no, no kissy kiss at the end of the date? No. What do you mean, no? Should, I mean, I've been on first days where we kiss. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> but, uh, and that's a very special, like, awesome date where you think the chemistry is so good and you're drank enough to feel relaxy enough to go for it. Go lean in and they're going to kiss you back. But... Don't you feel like he should try on the first date after it's a romantic time? He should try to at least insert... Some tongue in my mouth? Yeah, f- some physical action to kind of move things forward i think it's um relative on the context in that like if if i'm giving the the signals the body language that i like you know you sit and then maybe you sit next to each other somewhere and you scoot and then your your bodies actually can touch and connect that's giving him the the impression that like i am interested in you and I'm, i'm flirtatious with you no it was like a quiet bistro and i wasn't you know super which bistro uninhibited <laughs> have you ever been to nell's in green lake it's right next to a convalescent yes. home yes and it's very quiet and i got a gift certificate from there did you give it to your parents because no that's no who was someone there. gave it some parents i mean like it. did you re-gift it to your parents because that's who was basically eating there your parents old people gave it to me so old people yeah i love that place and they all could have been at least our parents they were all like retired sitting there with their glasses of chardonnay just laughing about who knows and then seriously right next door is a convalescent home my coworker's words not mine i said you live in green lake have you been in nell's it's kind of a cute bistro i run by it all the time never been 
He's like, yeah, it's nice. Good food. Cool bar or patio outside. But, you know, it's right next to a convalescent home. But isn't it interesting how some restaurants attract old people? Like in Lake City, there was Claire's, which is like a Denny's. Hmm. And whenever I would go there, it was just filled with old people. And it I is just, weird. I just You just feel like, why do they come here? Even though there's nothing really old about it, they print new menus every day with like local fresh food. Yeah. And it was... Like, very, like, normal local Northwest inspired. I thought it was... The food was good. The service was very attentive. Obviously, not very busy because of, 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 like, the 30 tables. There's, like, six of us. Yeah. So, but... I got a question for you. Yes. So, headbands. What do you think of headbands? Um... Like, they're silly when you go to a costume party and you want to look like a 70s Mackinac of some sort, right? Oh, like a sweatband. Yeah. Sweat, sorry, sweatband. Because girls wear headbands. Right. What do I think of those sweatband things yeah. when they're not running or working out or even when they are working out? Yeah, when they're working out. Nobody wears those. Right. The ones that go, like, around your head like this. Right. That made are, like, the same material as the sweatbands. Right. No one wears them. And I, I, I never knew as a kid that you wear those because you wipe your... Oh, got to wipe my brow off yeah. my on my wrist. Well, I used to wear a, I don't know if you noticed, but I used to wear a Yelp wristband on my guitar hand when I would play live because I have a really obnoxious guitar playing style and if I don't wear something on my wrist or a long sleeve shirt I'll rub the skin off of my arm because I'm I'm hitting my guitar so oh, hard. Oh, you're rocking out so hard. Always use protection when yeah. rocking out hard. But headbands, no one wears them at the gym, right? No, girls wear them like the more like workouty bands to hold your hair back, but they're not the same sweaty material. Over the forehead, yeah. Like McEnroe yeah. style, no. I don't think so. No one wears them. And I go to the gym all the time. Right. When I go to the gym, I wear one. Why? Because I sweat like a pig only on my head. I don't sweat anywhere else. You know, I'm Japanese. I'm, I'm higher evolved, so I don't have any hey. sweat glands in my armpits. Hey, I'm the same. You're Japanese, but you sweat a lot. Hey. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I just, I, when, I get, when I get hot, I just, I just drip from my head. I do too. And unless I wear a headband, I will be every 30 seconds rubbing it with my shirt or something. And it's annoying when you're trying to run on the treadmill. I use a towel. My gym gives towels. and So every 30 seconds, I'd have to wear... Or I could wear a sweatband over my head, and I'll never have to worry about it. But I feel ridiculous, and as soon as I'm done working out, I take it off because I don't want people to laugh at me. But why is that? It's a functional thing. Why is this stigmatized, and you want to just be free to wear your headband? Right. Thing. But I can't. Sweatband. Because sweatband. people will laugh at me, or they'll think I'm... Like trying to be retro or... Are you trying to be a little retro? You are a little retro. Well, I'm not trying to be. I'm trying to be functional. In fact... You're just trying to manage your sweat. Right. All that sweat. Right. And when I go to the gym, since I go try to go every day, I can't use the same sweatband every day. So I actually use bandanas. So I look like I'm a Mexican gangbanger, like some of the time. (laughs) Yeah. It's muy loco. I wish Amberto was here and he'd be like, mm, uh, sexy voice. But sh- should I should I allow myself to be embarrassed about the headband or should I wear it with pride Pride, or should I just not wear it at all and, and wipe it every 30 seconds? I don't think it's really every 30 seconds. Maybe it's every couple of minutes. Oh, it's often. Believe me. Um. Well, it feels as though necessity requires it, not that you can do anything else. I could put antiperspirant on my forehead. Do you think that would work? Sure. Really? It, like, does something to the pores. Does it? Yeah. Well, antiperspirant, like that aluminum, zirconium stuff is probably going to give you cancer. But I wear it religiously because I need that shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. You wear not only deodorant, but antiperspirant as well? It's like the combined whatever. Shut up. I sweat. I got it from my dad. Damn you, dad. So you're going to get armpit cancer one day? Yeah, but I'm go- as long as I'm alive, I'm going to smell okay. And then when I get cancer, I will give in to life yeah. and, or give in to death and let it welcome me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll die early, but you'll smell great on the way. I, you know what? I can be smelly when I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Oh my gosh. Sometimes it's just such a weird physiological response. I walk into a date and my temperature is all wonky and suddenly I'm sweating so bad and I have all this hair and the bangs and I feel like I'm on fire and if it starts dripping down my face on a date I will die and that was like a week ago but yesterday I was like be cool put on a bunch of deodorant and just like don't move just don't move and don't start sweating and I didn't and I was cool and I kept cool all night over like a three-hour dinner so how'd that go are you gonna is that the same guy you went out with last night uh, last night was the not sweaty date. So you, you've had two dates with two different men. Yes. Interesting. I have one tonight too. Different. What different one tonight? On a scale from <laughs> one to ten, what 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 would you rate? How would you rate the previous two men? Um, what's ten? The best date, dude, you've ever experienced. Oh well. Um. Well, uh, Sunday. Hmm, it was okay. It was like a five. Did you get some action that night? No, I went for a cup of coffee. Oh. I had a decaf cappuccino. I'm old. Because it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not going to have a, a real cup of coffee. That's too much caffeine. Yeah. It keeps me awake at night. Yeah. Um, no, there's no action. Why do you think that... Am I backwards? Am I old-fashioned? I remember you having other first dates hey. and, <laughs> and going quite far. <laughs> Shut up. This makes me sound horrible. I've had first dates that end in like pretty crazy ruckus makeout, but I don't think there's ever been anything more than that. Well, in the movies, whenever they have a first date, everyone always has sex. Have you noticed that? They never just make out. It's always sex on the first date. If I made out on a first date, I would consider that like, whoa, that date went really good and it went far enough because if you're like but if you're somebody who's like this freaking awesome come home with me now and fuck then go ahead but but wait a second so you've never been on a date with a guy and things are going well and you're you know you're like whoa yeah like really well and and you you have a couple drinks in you and you go dancing and there's some hugging (laughs) suddenly it's dicks in me (laughs) (laughs) and suddenly Things are going in and out. and oh, No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like <laughs> where you make out on a couch for like three hours and you're thinking, wow, the magic is here and the oxytocin is pumping and I'm feeling good. You've never had that before? Um, Not on the couch. I mean, I've definitely made out on a first date, but we're probably like so standing next to my car or in my car or they're like walking me to my car because I'm kind of independent and re- require that I drive myself to my own dates in case I don't want you to know where I live. My date last night offered to pick me up and I was like, oh my God, no. Where'd I- you meet these guys anyway? Online dating. No. Oh. <laughs> well, it's, some of them are online, but it's like. Oh, wait. Actually, you know what? I'm going to, pro- I'm going to fucking, I'm going to tout this app because I think it's. Plenty of fish. No. Match.com? No, it's not internet dating. It's not a website like that. It is a website, but it's like very, 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 very light diet Pepsi of dating. Hapalovers.com? Oh, no. But that'd be awesome. Then again, when I really want to date somebody who's like us, we're No, they, it's, it's due to like how. Oh, excuse me. No, I'm not going to be objective. Like no that. one's ever liked you because you're part Asian? A lot of people don't know. A lot of people can't tell. But it's called Coffee Meets Bagel, and it's an app, and I guess a website, but I've never logged on to the website. You download it. And it links to your Facebook, although not at all 
uh, public. It doesn't like paste, hey, I'm dating. And it's supposedly supposed to hook you up. It sends you one match a day at noon that's friends of your friends that are also on this app. Although I've never had any people with mutual friends. I think they're just sending me random dudes. You You make a little profile with a few photos, your basic stats, and then you can put in preferences for what you want. Your age range, religion, ethnicity, uh... That's about it. And then they send you one. And that one gets you. And if you both pick like, you can pick like or pass. You have 24 hours from noon to the next noon, basically. And there's a countdown. You get one a day? One a day. And if you both hit like, it connects you on an anonymized phone number via text message. And then it's like, hey, your so-and-so bagel named John likes you or like connected. Here's a question to get you started. You know, what are you doing tonight? Or Why is it called bagel and coffee? That a bagel is the person that you get sent every day at noon. Oh. So you're like, oh, did you get a good bagel? I don't know why. I don't know why the name, it doesn't make sense. But these have been all strangers, except last night's date I met dancing on Saturday. But I was completely sober, and I was with my best friend, and we were just dancing alone. Because we were two kick-ass bitches who just wanted to go out for a good dancey time. Uh-huh. And we ended up kind of dancing. Where'd you go? Uh, the lo-fi. Oh, okay. And we ended up dancing near like a circle of other kind of like cool young people. Back room or front room? Uh, the back. And was it like Soul Night or something? Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it's my favorite dance party. But so like everybody there is really nice, very cool, non-threatening, like fun time. And I don't know, this guy just kind of my, caught my eye, and I caught his, and I was like, "Is he looking at me? Am I looking at him?" And we kind of danced near each other, but nothing like I wasn't grinding up on his bum or anything and then at the end i was like do you want to have a beer or something he's like you went to him well we had been conversing little bits between yelling over songs like eventually we're dancing near each other and i was like what's your name okay you're like what do you do or you're like where are you from or where do you live or something what does he do (laughs) i hope he never hears this he'll be like uncomfortable not that you'd ever know he's a dentist he goes like this (laughs) and he points to his teeth in this loud ass dance party and i go you're a dentist (laughs) He's like, yeah. I'm like, really? Cha-ching. No, he's just the new dentist, and he's mentioned... Future cha-ching. Perhaps, but I told him I don't really like money. Money makes people kind of fucked up, but nice guy, so, you know... Free supply of nitrous. Yeah, Mm, and free dental work anytime I want. Yeah. If I, you know, he'll trade me root canals for blowjobs, like... Yeah. But I don't have dental needs because I... Floss three times a day. So the last guy was downstairs, and this one's up top. <laughs> I don't think that's ever been public knowledge. Jesus, everybody thinks I've got fucking freak freeloader problems. Oh wait, I was that the door? Going, I don't know. So at but the end of the night, I knew he was going to ask me out, but my friend was getting tired. I was like, "Are you okay?" She's like, "Yeah, I'd like to go home." Hey. So I said, I just was like, "Do you want to get a beer?" And he's like, "Yeah." But he said, I was going to ask you up, but you jumped the gun, like, the next day when we were texting. What's wrong with a lady just saying, hey, you want to go out? I know. All right. Well, that's the end of that clip where me and Mandy were talking about various things. If you want to give some feedback about the various things that we said, uh, please email us at contact at psychologyinseattle.com. We'd love to hear your opinions about dating and whatnot. That does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us, and please take care of yourself.